This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, where host Amber Cullum and her guests delve into hard truths and the unwavering grace of God while journeying in the kingdom of God here on earth. Listen every week at graceenoughpodcast.com or on your favorite listening app. Welcome to the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Hi, I'm Bill Hendricks, Executive Director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center, and I want to welcome you to the Table Podcast. At the table, we discuss issues of God and culture. And today, the title of our podcast is A Healthy Christian Approach to Sexual Attraction. And even in saying that title, I feel like I've got a rattlesnake in front of me. <laughs> um, you know, if you, if, you, if you pick up a rattlesnake properly, you don't have any problems. But if you pick up the wrong end, it can go bad real quickly. Fortunately, I've got two snake charmers here with me <laughs> who are ideal, and you, if you've watched the podcast for any length of time, these are by no means strangers to you. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce Debbie Wade, who is a licensed professional counselor and a marriage and family counselor. Thank you for being with us today, Debbie. You bring a lot of deep expertise into this topic. And Thanks Gary, for letting me come back. You know, I, yeah. Of course we want you back, especially for this. <laughs> and Gary Barnes, Dr. Gary Barnes, who is a professor of counseling here at, at the uh, seminary. Thank you, Gary. Yes, Again, great to a be stranger back. To, the, to the podcast. And both of these folks have deep expertise in this whole area of human sexuality. But again, as I, as I said, a healthy Christian approach to sexual attraction, I think for many of our listeners – a healthy Christian approach to everything's fine up to that, but when you hear the word sexual attraction, it's like, wait a minute, how, mm-hmm. how, how does that work? Can there be such a thing? Because there's a lot of, I mean, you know, the New Testament says flee youthful lust, and so there's this sense of we, we, sexual attraction, you know, that's something you, you, you try to push away, but there's a healthy approach to this, and a Christian approach to boot. So yes, talk to us about how yes. that works. You know, Bill, I, I think before we could really begin to talk about sexual attraction, we would just have to talk about God and sexuality. Right. Just let's get the big picture here. Okay. And then we can kind of see how the attraction piece fits in. Because you're saying sex is actually God's idea. You know, it's something that we <laughs> didn't just come up with, you know? <laughs> We didn't just attribute it to him. I mean, he, he really did design us. It's not something that God got surprised by, right? You know, right. And so, um, you know, I one of my favorite quotes about sexuality is from Dan Allender, and he says, you know, sex is a window into the heart of God. Hmm. That's a great thing to think about. Well, it's a deep thing to think about. Yes. Like, Boy, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. And so I think in God's design, he was realizing we're going to need some real special help to understand multi-leveled intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so, first of all, he wants us to understand the Godhead and the intimacy of the Trinity. Christopher West says that the Trinity is an eternal exchange of love. Mm. I like that. I like that. It, and it's, it's an intimacy that is 
something we can get a glimpse of, but it's so deeper and richer in a divine sense right. than we can fully grasp. And, and I think God knew we need extra help to grasp this. And so I think he gave us an experiential object lesson hmm. Hmm. to provide this window into the heart of God. And, and so it gives us this eternal intimacy within the Godhead. It also helps us understand the intimacy of Christ and the bride, the church, right. and the intimacy there. And then it helps us understand our horizontal relationships in the here and now on earth in our intimate relationships, for sure in marriage, but way beyond marriage in our brothers and sisters in Christ's right. intimacy. So you're, you're early on here introducing this idea of intimacy, which certainly you know, gets, has connotations of, of sexual intimacy. But it's it's it goes beyond sexuality, right? It does. Yes. But you know, in our time and space, sexuality plays a really special role in this. But sexuality is limited, right? To time mm. and space, you know, the sexuality is not going to be eternal, right? But it serves a really important purpose in our time and space right now. Absolutely. Because we're embodied creatures. Mm-hmm. We are. We're embodied, but we're also sexual beings right. by design. You cannot Which is also be spiritual. Right. not a sexual being. Now, you can repress it, but God made us as sexual beings. So Debbie, t- talk to us about this notion of sexual attraction, because um, that puts a finer point on there's a desire here involved, and, and we all know from personal experience that you know, that's a powerful desire. Right. So I'd want to really make sure that we separate sexually attracted, that chemistry versus lust. Because you said in the the beginning, you know, we think sexual attraction, and some people think, oh, well, the sexual attraction, that can't be Christian, because that would right. be lustful, you right. know. And, you know, lust truly is objectifying, just seeing one level of, of a person and then desiring that to the point of wanting that for myself mm. and objectifying. Mm-hmm. Sexual attraction... I think is way deeper and encompasses so many things that certainly the way that God designed us physiologically, we do have that chemical reaction and that chemistry that we may experience with others. And we know that there's an attraction there, you know, but we wouldn't just want to base a relationship on just that attraction. attraction. There's so much more. And we'd have to be so careful with that because, you know, we we think just the culture we live in and so much is put on the physical. In this culture. In this culture. You you can't pick up a magazine or TV, movie. Right. (laughs) And we're going to use attractiveness to sell and, and all things. Someone could, ooh, we think we're attracted to them, not even lustful. We just find that we're attracted to them. They do something bad, they're in the news the next day, and we're just like, ooh, not attracted anymore. No, thank right. you. You know. But then we could take a couple who have been married 60-some-odd years. Yeah, that's what's beautiful. They've grown old together. They were attracted to each other physically. physically. And although their body physically has changed, because of intimacy, there being an attraction hmm. and then a deeper knowing, right. they would still say out of all their body changes, their wrinkles and everything, You're the most we're, as attra- right. we're as attracted to each other now as we were 60 years ago. Right. 
And, and there's a deeper meaning in that. And I think that's part of why it is so important. And you were speaking of God, and when we think of the character of God, God is so creative, and he designed all of us so uniquely that I believe he would would not have gone to all that trouble right. to design, you know, it, it'd been so easy. They'll just all look like this, you know, or we make them all look like her, or we make them all look like him. But he went to such uniqueness in all of us that I think, of course, in our design, we would have attract, we would have different attractions mm-hmm. to different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that what one female may be attracted to in maleness, another female may be attracted to something else. And I just think he, to, to ignore that would be to ignore so many of the magnificent ways that God went to prove his love and his design and his character. We'd have to ignore that. Well, you, you raise a very interesting point there. We, we will refer to someone as, oh, they're so attractive. And what we're really saying is they're attracted to me. Yes. They might not be attractive to someone else. I mean, you know, my first wife passed away back in 2000, and I didn't date for the entire first year after she passed, which was probably one of the smartest things I've Mm -hmm. ever done. But eventually you kind of get back into the dating scene. Um, (laughs) That deserves a whole podcast into itself, Mm -hmm. by the way. (laughs) Yes. At age 47. But – you know, people would say, "Oh, I need to introduce you to so and so. She's drop dead gorgeous." Uh-huh. And then I would meet so and so, and I'm like, you know, "Is this the one you want?" Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so my point there is, um, you know, sexual attraction really does come on a on a person by person basis. Mm-hmm. Both the you know the attractiveness of a person as well as my attraction to them, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but I guess that's where people get tripped up, and particularly in a Christian setting. Here you are, you know, in an office, a school, uh, wherever your your day happens to be spent, and you find yourself attracted to somebody, and you're you're a little overwhelmed because you're like, wow, you know, that person really is drawing me, mm-hmm. and that's a little bit scary. You're like, yes. Boy, I got to keep this from getting out of control, but I can't just say that doesn't exist because I know it exists and I kind of like it, but I don't know what to do with it. And so there's mm-hmm. just all this confusion that I think many, many Christians feel. Yes, for sure. Yeah. What do we do about well, that? Well, I, I think if we have some guardrails to guide us. You well, know. you know, and, and, and look, y'all have heard as many sermons on sexuality as I have, and, and, and the very common line is um, look, Jesus said, Whoever works, looks on a woman to lust for, her, looks on a woman to lust for, has committed adultery. And so, the idea is, it's okay to have the first look, but not the second look. And I'm like, well, that sounds good. It preaches well, but does, how, mm-hmm. how does that work? Yeah, you know? yes. So again, getting back to Debbie's comment about objectifying for self gratification. Okay. See, that is not. Attraction, mm-hmm. that's lust, lust. Mm-hmm. right? And so, attraction can be beholding the beauty, mm. right. mm-hmm. and it's powerful, and it's meant to be powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like you could 
I like your rattlesnake metaphor, but also dynamite's a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's powerful on purpose, right? See, and it could be used for constructive purposes uh, or mm. destructive yeah, purposes. Exactly, but it's not ho hum, and that that's really the good thing mm. about God's idea of sexuality is that it's not supposed to be ho hum. Yeah. So you're suggesting maybe that you know you see someone who's in your eyes beautiful. Mm-hmm. We're sort of in Psalm 139 at that point. Boy, Lord, I, that person's fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. When you put that person together, at least physically, um, or maybe the attraction isn't so much physical, but it's something in their character. I, I, that's also a kind of yes. a sexual attraction. Yes, exactly. Yes. Totally. You're like, wow, that yes. would be wonderful to live with. Yes. That's a That's a beautiful – you know, creation that you have created, yeah, yeah. Lord. So here, here's uh, a little handy visual picture for me. Okay. I call it the slippery slope of sexuality. Okay. okay. So on the bottom side of one part of the slope, we have a response of demonizing sexuality. Mm-hmm. Right. Sex, oh, it's that's bad. Right. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Now, on the other side of the slope, we can slide to deifying sexuality. So I'm trying to make sex something that it wasn't meant to right, be. Right. Okay. And it becomes an ultimate an idol. for me. An idol. Yeah. Yes. Now at the top, the slippery slope that we tend to slide to one side or the other, is sacred sexuality. Hmm. And and that is God's call for us to elevate. I really like that word mm-hmm. elevate. Hmm. See? It's not what the broken person in a broken, fallen world raised by broken parents under attack by Satan would naturally think. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. They're going to go one side of the <laughs> yeah, other yeah. on that. But, but what God has given us is a gift hmm. that he wants us to elevate. <laughs> and the purpose, again, is to draw us beyond the physicalness of sexuality, although the physicalness is necessary to the drawing. Right. And that's what attraction contributes to. It's a powerful part of the drawing. Mm-hmm. But we can't let it pull us to either side of the I like slippery slope. That's helpful. And if I could say where I think the tension happens and why it's so difficult, if I can just say in the circle of Christianity, I think sometimes Christians want things to be easy. They don't like to live in the tension. No. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why I, I think it's too often. Just tell often, me what to do. Tell me what to do, and we'll, I'll How just repress it. How far can I go? It. How far can yeah. I go? Yeah. Or, or if I'm a traitor, I'll just repress it. And, and right. d- just that, that, that's dead to me. I'll repress it. And then hopefully when that's, I walk down that marriage aisle and on wedding night, I can just lift it back up and <laughs> you know, flip that switch or tap that app and How's that there it is. Out for you know? you? <laughs> because we don't like living in the tension. Right. Or on a seminary campus, somebody may have everything we've ever dreamed of. I mean, right. that they meet all 16 points on my list, except for I'm not really sexually attracted to them. But that'll be good because then we won't be tempted That's right. while we're dating. <laughs> or he meets or she meets everything on there. And I probably feel a little more holy because I'm invested in her, although I'm not 
Agreed. all that's sexually attracted to her. And God will reward me for being so holy, mm. for dating. Oh, and for, also, and, and my pastor easy. said, don't worry, because once you get married, it'll all happen. It'll come. Yes. And I think that, that if, if I could speak to anybody, it would be that that sexual attraction in the beginning is so powerful and it's needed. And, and that's needed to draw us together. We don't want it to be the only thing, but that's where we want to look at whole person, uh, body, soul, and mind. I want to know that, per, that, that person, but beyond the outer beauty, I want to know the inward beauty or the inward handsomeness, whichever works for you. I, I want to know that, too. I want to know the mind. I, w- I want to know their spiritual hmm. relationship with the Lord. I, I want to know them. I, I want to do life with them. But I need to be attracted to them. Probably, I don't know what your experience is, Gary, but some of the saddest couples that I work with doing sex therapy with, or they come in, and when I get them separated, it's like, he met all the qualities except for I wasn't sexually attracted. And everybody told me, well, that's really okay, because when you get married, it'll come. It'll make dating easier, you know? And, And that doesn't come. Right. And and it's hard to manifest. What do you say to a couple like that? Oh gosh, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's many no, sessions. That's a, I can <laughs> see that that's not that's not quick that's, therapy. No, no. <laughs> no, it's it's not quick therapy. And it can be rewarding therapy. And of course we would never want a couple to separate. Right. If they if they did marry with that, we wouldn't want that to be a reason to not stay married. But that's where I think as Christians we need to help other Christians really change that message and pour in that, yes, yeah, sexual chemistry, physical chemistry, again, I think God went to too much trouble mm. to make us so complex mm-hmm, yes. that we can't ignore that. It's there for a reason, you know. Well, I was going to say as I was preparing for our, our podcast today, you know, I, I thought oh, all these things we're, we're raising about you know the challenges of being sexually attracted to people. But I don't know which is worse: to be sexually attracted or to not be sexually attracted. Yes. If somebody has yeah, yeah. no attraction, well, it gets back to the slippery slope. You sort of wonder: See, either are you alive one, inside, you know, either one can kind of promote one side of the slippery slope or the right, other. Right. So, and and we're we're still going to be challenged to elevate hmm. to the sacred now. Well, getting back to what Debbie was just talking about, about God creating us multidimensional. The physical is of God. Right. It's not spirit good, body bad. Right. It's That's important. Uh, to, very to important. That's God's Remind everybody plan. of that. Yes. We're material beings as well as yes. material. We're embodied spirits gotcha. on purpose. Yeah. And part of that is about the physical sexualness right. of us. Right. Mm-hmm. There's hormones that are involved. Right. Okay. This is like chemistry, like real chemistry, not yeah. just emotional chemistry. <laughs> right. Okay. And so, uh, one of our colleagues, Doug Rosenau, who we owe a lot to in our mm-hmm. learning and training, uh, comes up with 3D, three dimensional, mm-hmm. whole person. <laughs> you could think in terms of we're physical beings. Mm-hmm. We're also psychological beings, mind and emotion, mm-hmm. but we're also spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's the whole person that God wants to relate to him. Mm-hmm. It's the whole person that he wants us to relate to one another. It all taps in to, I think, that window into the heart of God 
and understanding. It's not the main theme of the Bible, but it is cover to cover through the Bible as a sub-theme. This concept of oneness that is not based in sameness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to the Trinity mm -hmm. is the ultimate picture of it, but we get to experience it as whole people. So maleness and femaleness in an exchange, not just as physical beings, but as sexual whole beings. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. See? Right. I'm, I'm a sexual being in a physical way, in a psychological way, and in a spiritual, spiritual way. way. Right. right. You bring all of that. All of that. See? And all of that is a way of reflecting the image of God when it's elevated. So how, <clears throat> how can our listeners elevate? How, how, how can they begin to think in those terms? And I assume it's, it's, it's a perception, it's an awareness, it's a thinking sort of thing mm -hmm. as well as a feeling thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say – How do we elevate our view of – Healthy sexuality. Yeah, I know this is going to sound pretty basic, but I think in in starting off one with a heart of gratitude, hmm. uh, a gratitude that God chose to make us as sexual beings, uh, a gratitude that God chose to make both male and female, uh, that God chose it, you know in His creative way uh, to make us so uniquely different. And I think when we stay in a heart of gratitude that we're aware of it so we can't repress, we're grateful for it. And then I think when we have a gratitude and a gratefulness for something and we know that he is the creator, that helps us get in line of keeping this elevated. It's not just being grateful for the object right. or just dying in and going, whoa, I'm liking what I see. It's no, I want to be grateful to a creator who chose to do this for our benefit and for his glory. This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcasts on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com. Well, no, I love what the sound of what you're saying, and I agree with it. And then I, I quickly realize how countercultural what you're saying is because mm -hmm. I can think of so many people I know who, you know, when they think about being grateful for themselves, what God's put together, they struggle with that because they're like, well, you know, I'm grateful that I'm a man, but I'm too short. Or mm. why did God make me a woman, you know? Mm. Or why did he make, you know, okay, I'm a woman, but why do I look this way? You know, I mean, and, and all of that, of course, is heavily influenced by this culture we live mm -hmm. in, which is so sexualized and, mm -hmm. and just has got all of the values messed up. And uh, yeah, and 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 gosh, you know, people in a sense rank themselves. Where where do I fit relative to others? Mm -hmm. And and that loses any side of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And again, heavily focused on the physical 
not right. Whole the psychological, person. 3D. the spiritual. Yeah. That, that, that for many, doesn't even enter into the picture. Right. Right. But I, I, how do, gratitude, that's a whole new way of thinking for many of us. Yeah. So Gary mentioned elevated earlier. And when I think of even what I do with therapy and walking couples through healthy sexuality, because it does begin, um, I mean, I think should begin in early years as learning healthy sexuality. Mm. But with what I teach and kind of what, what I'm trying to help in therapy to get this healthy concept, I, I walk through that we have to be liberated in from some of the culture biases and buy-ins. Um, we All have right. to be liberated from the bondage of, of maybe the things that have happened to us in the past mm -hmm. or the choices we made along the way and mm -hmm. we did to ourselves. really trusting in the healing power that – that when God says in Jeremiah, I, I will heal your wounds and restore you to health, not not all scriptures about sex, but most scripture could be applied to sex. <laughs> if we said, right. I will heal your sexual wounds, hmm. saith the Lord, and restore you to hmm. sexual health. So that wow. we could have a gratefulness for how we are designed and feeling liberated and how we can live that. Then I, I think truly then what, what scripture would want us to, to be liberated with healthy sexuality and then we truly have to be educated. We, we've mm -hmm. got to know some things about it right. and, and know when we uh, are buying into myths and mm -hmm. misconceptions mm -hmm. and we're not educated and, and be healthily educated. Mm -hmm. And right. so we, we need to educate our singles that are out there in attractiveness because attractiveness is something that we don't just have to monitor and, and have healthy boundaries around in our singleness. I mean, we're all married. We still have to have good boundaries around Absolutely. what we're attracted to and Absolutely. who we're attracted to and how to have that in a healthy way. So to be educated. And then as mm -hmm. you were saying, we, we do want our sexuality to be elevated. And again, are we going to keep it as something that we believe is sacred and holy? Hmm. Are we going to put it in a part that God designed this again for our benefit, His glory, but put it in a concept, then what are the things I put in place to keep it elevated? Mm -hmm. And then I think in um, relationships and, and, and just in teaching and to understand a healthy maleness and femaleness and the way we interact, I think it's got to be celebrated mm -hmm. and in celebrating so coming back that that we women could learn to celebrate our uniqueness and how we're designed um, I, I love the passage in Psalm 45 10 and 11 where it says consider uh, O daughter consider and give ear mm. forget your people in your father's house for your king is enthralled mm. with your beauty. Mm -hmm. Honor him for he is Lord. Now, I don't think we ought to be cocky and entitled, right. but if we women carried ourselves as if our creator is enthralled with our beauty, I it's mean. It's a whole different. Oh, I think it would be something. so much. We're going to be attractive to just about everybody. <laughs> we're, you know, but to, to, but to realize that our attraction, our attractiveness, it's not just outer beauty, but if we carry that with confidence, our inward beauty comes out right. and, it, and it just exudes with us. And then for that over time with couples and to keep that attractiveness going and that attraction and the healthiness, it, it's got to be cultivated. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 we tend to think well gosh attractiveness is so natural or attraction so natural then whatever we feel in the very beginning it'll just happen it'll just grow it'll just maintain because it's organic it's right. natural you know but if we say that about a garden, I'm not into gardening. It's too much work. <laughs> but I know we're using organic, natural earth, and we throw in natural, organic seed, and water, pretty natural, and sun. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can't just throw it in and put it together and go, I've got an organic garden. It's going to grow. <laughs> we have to work at it and cultivate it and, and see what it needs. And pull the weeds. And pull the weeds. Find out what's messing that attraction up right. and so i do believe it's 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 a space that that requires all those things long term you know uh to be liberated to be educated our sexuality and attraction needs to be elevated and cultivated celebrated. celebrated and cultivated so so you mentioned a word early there and i i think i'm about to flip the switch on a yet another podcast topic by asking this question but it now seems when you introduce the word early, you know, I immediately think about the role that parents play in mm. helping their children yes. elevate yes. sexuality as well as this whole notion of attractiveness. It's huge. It's gigantic. And if you um, are talking to people behind closed doors or if you just do general surveys and you're asking, where'd you get your sex education? And what did you get at home, or what did you get at church? Mm-hmm. Usually, that's it's a short three conversation. words. <laughs> Don't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, that's my sex education. Yeah. See. And so we also give the message, uh, even in our Christian communities, yeah. that you're not even a sexual being until you become married. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And don't even yeah. think about being sexual right. if you're single. So there's a lot of miseducation mm-hmm. mm. that may be well intended, but is still miseducation. Absolutely. See? Yeah. And we especially, I think, need to uh, do makeup work on single sexuality mm-hmm. and, and elevate it mm-hmm. and yeah. give it a vision. Mm. That know. there is life apart from marriage. It, it, it's yes. God's <laughs> ideal that you are a sexual being as a single, and yes. you, you have a unique way right. and a unique mission mm-hmm. as a single sexual compared to – but it's not second class. Right. It's not secondary. But it does have a uniqueness to it. I, I like Stanley Grinz's explanation. He says, okay, just like you need male and female to bear God's image, you need singles and marrieds to bear God's image mm-hmm. because any one of those is an incomplete image bearer. Mm-hmm. See? So, in a married couple, intimacy is uniquely bearing God's image about his exclusive love, mm. whereas single intimacy as a whole person being, right. including sexual, right. is demonstrating God's inclusive love, mm-hmm. but it's, it has distinctives in how you're being a sexual being as a single or as a married. Gotcha. And so we're, we're totally missing our opportunity to elevate, uh, especially for singles, I think, in this way. Well, so <clears throat> let, me, let me 
try to put this in some practical terms. Uh, let's come up with a hypothetical. Um, and being a man, I'll speak, you know, as a man. Um, so a man's in an office setting and uh, a new person's hired who happens to be female. And when she's introduced, his instant reaction is, wow, she's gorgeous. Okay. Yeah. And let's say for the sake of argument, she's single. Now, first of all, you know, if the man is married, that kind of attraction, he already knows, okay, if he's faithful to his marriage vows, there's a boundary here that I can't pass. Whereas if he's single, mm-hmm. I think I think there's a strong tendency for the guy to go, boy, I'd like to get to know her. I'd like mm-hmm. to move forward mm-hmm. here, okay? And yes. but but it seems to me somewhere in here, whether married or single, the guy. Uh, what I'm hearing is there's some there's some reflection he needs to do about that attraction. Is that? Oh, we have to be very intentional. With yeah. Tell me more about that. Okay, so <clears throat> there, I, I think there's two expressions, sexual expressions, that are really helpful in mm-hmm. an educating way to think of social sexuality mm-hmm. and erotic sexual expression. Okay. okay. What's the difference? Okay. So in a social sexual exchange, I am not trying to neuter the exchange. I'm actually embracing the maleness and the femaleness, or you might say the otherness, because mm-hmm. I don't want right. to over-stereotype what right. maleness and femaleness gotcha. is, but let's just say the otherness right. mm-hmm. and the also chemistry, mm-hmm. that's the chemical on. chemistry right, that's, okay, going right. that's going on in that exchange. Mm-hmm. See, when I neuter it, I'm, I'm taking away the, the potential, the capacity of Anything. that exchange right. of, in terms of what it can be like. Gotcha. See, in the process of this, I'm I'm thinking in terms of 3D exchange, whole person exchange, mm-hmm. not just a physical. Wow, you have physical beauty, or you have sexual attractiveness. The way the world would define sexual attractiveness, I'm thinking of whole person exchange. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, but I'm not neutering. I'm not repressing so that I'm not experiencing sexual feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm boundarying sexual behaviors, but I'm embracing that this is a whole person exchange. Mm-hmm. Which is really important right. because of the problem of objectifying that you mentioned. Right. If I just look at them as a one-dimensional body and well, I don't see right. there's a whole person here, right. and I need to take into account the whole person. And this is where the slippery slope comes in. Right. Um, we tend to have a tendency to repress the whole thing right. as a way of having a boundary, right. which is actually a really unsafe boundary. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or we tend to deify and then we physically objectify, right. and then it's about self-gratification than it is embracing and bringing out the best of somebody else's otherness. Well, and I, and I can see that the whole person really is the whole package in the sense mm-hmm. that it's all, it's all tied together, meaning um, 
I've certainly had this experience myself of meeting somebody, and I think, wow, she's gorgeous. She's really attractive. But then after hanging around this person and watching her interact with people or maybe with me, I'm like, you don't look nearly as attractive as you did you know, an hour ago. I know, I'm, I'm actually kind of repulsed here. And, and of course, that's how many marriages are there out there where, yes. oh, you know, he was my prince, she's my prince, you know, and, and we have the marriage, we have the wedding. And you know, six weeks later, they're they're like hardly mm-hmm. talking to each other because they've discovered who they married. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm going to come back to two words that I, I would say if we have that slippery slope that that help us maybe navigate staying at the top where it's elevated. And the two words that come to mind for me is respect mm. and steward. Okay. That, that God expects us to respect others. And again, re- respect females in, in, in the way that they exude their femaleness. And, right. and, and, and that, that could cover a wide range of variety of how somebody would express their femaleness. Yeah. But for men to respect females, and then for us females, that we would respect the male. And so I'm going to respect you as a whole person, so I, I choose to respect your body, I respect our interaction, I, I, I respect your uniqueness. So I am going to respect that this is also could be dangerous mm-hmm. if I did not steward myself well. You know, God gives us uh, the ability and a lot of freedom in two areas that are very powerful, the ability to make money and our sexuality. He, mm. he designed us with our sexuality. And he trusts us. I mean, when we think of that, how much he trusts us in that. Yeah. And he says, I want to trust you, but I'm also going to ask you to steward it well. What's well, right out of the creation mandate. Yes. yes. I'm yes. giving you this world. Exercise your, your right. Exercise your power. Exercise your power. Exercise your power. Yeah. And so for, if, if I don't repress my sexuality, but I am going to steward mm-hmm. it well, and I'm going to respect you in the process. It really helps. And again, I think there's a lot of boundaries we could create on what are boundaries I need in stewarding. Just kind of like we have financial planning. How do we steward our finances well so we we we're able to to do with our finances what we want to do and honor God. So finding the healthy boundaries that help us steward our sexuality well. And then what is it that we do that makes sure that we are always respecting others in in their body their personhood so well can, can i go, go back ahead. to the social sexuality yeah. thing because you know debbie and i uh, co-teach a course here on human sexuality it's an elective course not required but we uh, get so many requests that it would be required <laughs> putting in a plug for I'll it bet. but one of the big things that we have some of our best discussions about in this class is about social sexuality expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so which would be the kind because of Because when when I'm embracing this whole person exchange, right. that's not sexual behavior, genital erotic behavior, right. but it's still a full sexual exchange. Right. What is going to happen is I will have sexual feelings. Mm-hmm. And so it's about Debbie's term respecting and stewarding these sexual feelings that are mm-hmm. also in the exchange, right. both from me and from you. It's, it's mm-hmm. a two-way exchange, mm-hmm. see? Mm-hmm. And so I have to live in the tension, tension. of feeling 
sexual attraction in mm-hmm. that exchange, but I'm respectful and I'm responsible in my stewarding so that I don't let the feelings drive my choices. Right. I don't have to act on the feelings. Yes. But I have to but I, have to, I have to live in the tension right. of experiencing those feelings. Right. See? But I'm saying to myself, my feelings don't determine my decisions, but I'm going to have to work with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to be intentional with these. Well, the, the, what you're describing here is, a, is a, frankly, a, a matter of spiritual growth and, uh, and, and some spiritual discipline, if I could put yes. it that way. But here's where it disconnects, <coughs> even on a seminary campus. Oh, mm. <laughs> for sure. Men and women are passing each other on the sidewalks, and men are not even looking at women in the eyes. Right. Because they're afraid they'll have sex with them if they look at them in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll want to have sex with them a, if they have eye contact. Yes. Right. A man will be on an elevator and the door opens and a woman steps in and smiles and says, oh, do you know what time it is? And the guy jumps to the back of the elevator and says, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I've seen that happen. Yeah. So you, it, I mean, and the, and, and the, I mean, there for some men, there's like it's like the, there's a fear, like women are dangerous. Yeah, repression is my strategy. Exactly. Exactly. That's, and that's how, not healthy. <laughs> that's a time bomb ready to go off. Yeah. See, so I, you know, we're we're growing godly servant leaders on campus that are missing the idea of how do I become a godly steward. All right. Of my sexual feelings. Well, I'm glad you're teaching that class then. Well, maybe we should make it a required <laughs> maybe class. Maybe we should. <laughs> okay. No, because I, I think about somebody who's got that mindset, a man, mm-hmm. knowing, okay, they make it all the way through graduation and so forth, and then they go, say, become a pastor in a yes. church, and now they've got people in his congregation looking to him for direction on the very things we're talking about. Yes. What's he going to say? More importantly, what's he going to model? Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. What's he going to model? Yes, it does. Because modeling sense. repression is not going to be helpful for the congregation, and it's going to be dangerous for him. It just repeats the cycle. <sighs> so there's some other person that grows up in that congregation yes. and thinks, well, that's what it's. That's how it works. That's how we do it. Well, we got to change that. Yeah, our yeah. our our listeners help to have to help us change that <laughs> in the places they have influence. Well, one one question we're we're starting to run on our time, but uh, we've talked about sexual attraction, which is sort of from within. It, it has that feeling of it, something within me is like being drawn toward this other person. What about sexual attractiveness? In other words, you know, the person who is their putting their clothes on for the day, and they're thinking about the, mm-hmm. the face, if you will, mm-hmm. that they're going to present the to presentation. the world, the presentation, mm-hmm. they want to be attractive. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I think there's a bunch of cultural things driving it, but, you know, is that a, is that a healthy value to want to be attractive? Yeah. That's From a definitely your question, Debbie. <laughs> From a biblical standpoint, just – You know, I – again – God uses beauty throughout Scripture, yeah. and so I, I believe if anything, He would want us to believe within ourselves that because we are a creature that He designed, 
that there is beauty within us. And so I think there is a way that we can all choose to carry ourselves that puts our best self forward. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we all always have to be all dolled up or always wear tuxes or whatever, right. but how can I exude my best? And, and I believe that if I'm exuding my best because I believe inside positive things, I am probably going to exude positive attractiveness. Mm-hmm. If I loathe myself, if I'm disgusted with myself, if I don't appreciate all at how God designed me, that's what I'm going to exude. That's right. And so I think some of our outer attractiveness does come from within on how we carry ourselves. And and again, um, whether someone feels they exude beauty, I'm going to say females, without any makeup on versus if they do have it on, they still feel they can exude with confidence. If somebody feels that they can't go outside or set foot out in the yard unless they are all dolled up, then I would say that they need to work on how can they exude their natural beauty. Right. You know, but I believe that a lot of that's based on what do we believe. Coming back to the mind, what do we yeah. believe? It goes about back to ourselves. the slippery slope again. Yeah. Am mm-hmm. I repressing or deifying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, in my presentation of attractiveness. Yeah. Well, and I also think it goes back to the whole person, the three D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Idea, because um, notwithstanding, yes, we have a physical being, which is what people see first. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think I think. The New Testament instruction uh, to women is let not your adornment be external only. And it's important that word only is there. He's not saying don't worry about that. He's saying don't don't just focus on that, which of course is where most people, right? Certainly most women, I suppose, focus is like how that face look, you know, how does that hair look? I mean, that's fine, but let it be that person within. Mm -hmm. And then how do we treat others? is that is there a beauty about the the whole person yes. so that as they treat other people and they yes. they communicate there's a there's a beauty that exudes from them that becomes very attractive in every way not just sexually but just mm-hmm. you like to be around them as a person mm-hmm. because they're a great person mm-hmm. they they ultimately they're manifesting Christ to us in in their unique way yes mm-hmm. that's what that's what we want to mm-hmm. Elevate to, yes. I think, right? Yes. I think it's the opposite of the example you gave earlier when you said somebody might be very attractive and you think drop dead gorgeous and spending some time with them, then all of a sudden they're less and less pretty. Versus someone that you may not necessarily be as attracted to at first, but the more you get to know them, Absolutely. it's like as their beauty exudes, they all of a sudden become this. Uh, I've they seen that. This, Many beautiful times. or handsome person, right? Because now you know them full body and full person. It's if that attraction never comes, if that physical attraction never comes, that would be someone you don't want to date. Yeah, <laughs> probably God didn't didn't design you to to move all the way into intimacy, mm-hmm. full intimacy with them. Yeah. Well, this is a very deep, complex subject, it seems to me, but a very practical one because. People deal with this all day long. All day long. We are sexual beings. Yeah. yeah. At every age. It's who we are. And 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 the real word here is we need to celebrate that, but we need to elevate, elevate that to it. the place that God intended it to be. And and be very aware that the slope is slippery. I do mm-hmm. tend to slide to demonizing and right. repressing, or I slide to deifying and making it an idol. And fortunately, that's why we have 
the Holy Spirit. That's what. That's why Christ has redeemed us so that we become more like Him. And accountability with other people. All right, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, our time is gone. I want to thank the both of you for being here. This has been fantastic, and I want to thank our our listeners for uh, stepping in with us. If you have a topic that you'd like to, us to consider here on the Table podcast or comments, feel free to email us at thetable at dts.edu. That's thetable at dts.edu. And for The Table, I'm Bill Hendricks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Table podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash thetable. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.